The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com, and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today, I have in the house Monk Coleman. He is the author of a book called Love Over Fear. It's a guide to peace and purpose, which is right up my alley. So, um, hey, Monk, thanks for coming on the show today, brother. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's really cool. I picked up, as soon as you came on, I'm like, he's got a really chill vibe. He's walking the walk. He's, you know, I, I pretty much guarantee without even asking, you do a little bit of meditation every day, don't you? Yeah, well, actually, that was the game changer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what really, like, literally saved my life. Meditation. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's funny because I see all these people today and it's like they, you know, had these issues like I used to have and probably like you had. We'll get into your story in a moment, but and then, you know, through this spiritual awakening and practice, like meditation came into play. It was like, it's weird. You don't know how to do it. Stuck with it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then it just, it's like part of the daily practice now. And then it's like the most, one of the most important parts and exciting parts of the day. You know, fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And, and people, I have talked to some people that said, I don't have time to do that. And now they're literally waking up at three, four o'clock in the morning just to get in two, three hours of meditation. I mean, one guy I know does four hours every day. My formulator, Dr. Scott Treadway, does an uh, hour to an hour and a half once, twice a day. Yeah. He's, ha- he's happy and he's content. He's fulfilled. There's, you, when you meet, when you come into contact with beings that are doing this, there's just that energy, that, that negative charge, the ego, all that stuff is just, it's just, it's fell away. You know, it's just gone. And there's just an openness and an accepting there. So it's really cool. So I'm hoping today, like for especially for the men that are going to be listening, because we do have a lot of men uh, that, that tune into my show um, that we want to, you know, help to shine light on the societal conditioning of, of human beings in general, but especially guys and this, this super ego thing that we, we get. And I think uh, Monk is a perfect example because in your past, I mean, you did some pretty guy things like you were a, a, a bodybuilder, natural physique bodybuilder and stuff like that. And I played baseball at a high level and, you know, grew up on a farm hunting and fishing and chewing tobacco. So it's like, you know, we both sounds like we come a long way. So why don't we just get into it? What was your, what was your backstory? What was going on in your life? And then how did, how did you get to where you're at today? Well, you know, we're shaped through the, these experiences uh, after we're born. And sometimes even before we're born, we have trauma that's passed down to us. So I was already born into trauma. And then my dad passed away when I was about three and a half years old. And we were always on the system. We were extremely poor and there were seven of us total kids. So my mom wanted, she did the best she could. She was a miracle worker to have seven kids by herself, right? Never had a father, a male role model in the house. So she took us to church every day. So, but what we were seeing at church was not what we were seeing at home. So you go to church, you get these rules and regulations thrown on you. 
and then you go home and then you see the opposite of these rules and regulations. It's total dysfunction, mm -hmm. right? So when I got old enough to understand what the, the punishment for not following these rules are, the heaven and the hell, when I was old enough to understand that, I, I pretty much was on a straight and narrow, but it was because of fear. And you know that anything, any decision made out of fear it's not going to benefit you the way it should benefit you. It's a fear-based decision. But before that, I was really out of control. I was four or five years old uh, stealing already. I was running around. I tried to stab my brother one time, you know, giving the babysitters a real hard time. But so when I got old enough to understand <laughs> the religion thing, right? That's a crazy thing. I was stabbed my brother. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we beat up our friends sometimes. I, um, you just remembered something like, I think somebody tried to like, stabbed me or something with a pencil one time at school and but i had a belt buckle on it and it broke the pencil <laughs> right, you hey that was that was your saving grace right there. i know yeah i really got in a lot of trouble for the um for trying to stab him so next time i went to church everybody in the church was talking to me like you know you can't be doing this and you i got in a lot of trouble for that but when i got old enough to realize the the consequences of my behavior i straightened up because i was afraid mm -hmm. continue forward right Always, my whole life, we were on the system. Government cheese, all the whole nine. I didn't live in a big city, but I lived around a lot of drugs and addiction and crime. So I was the one trying to save other people from their doom, right? I was the one saying, you know, maybe you should try church, this and that. I was totally indoctrinated at one point until I got into my teens where some of the rules that they said I had to live by. My hormones are kicking in, right? You get where I'm going with this. Yeah. My hormones are kicking in. They saying you can't have premarital this or this, or this is a sin. And then I got to the point where I'm like, I can't, I can't do this rule. And I went from being in church to the next year selling crack cocaine and drinking and sleeping with, you know, multiple women. I mean, how old, how old are you? I was uh, seven, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So I went from one extreme to the other almost overnight. And so I was living both of these programs out. So I'm, I know you know about the subconscious mind and the programs that we are. Well, one of them was religion. So I was fully invested in that. And then when that didn't work out for me, I went the other direction and I was fully invested in that. And for the next 20 years, this type of behavior was my life. I mean, carrying. Damn, on. it went a long time then. Oh, a long time because I was, I was running. I was seeking things external because everything I tried before, it wasn't doing it for me. It wasn't bringing me that peace in my life. It wasn't bringing anything new. So, the reason why I stayed in the street so long is because there's so many different things you can try, and religion is pretty much this is this is it right here. So yeah. Yeah, when you I, have to you have to do it this way, and the, I don't like how they set it up too, because it's like God unconditionally loves you. Unless you don't do this, then you're going to hell. It's like that doesn't even make sense. That's not unconditional love. It's just an oxymoron, right? And it's almost you, like go ahead. It's almost like I mean, for children, it's really like child abuse when you pump this fear based, these fear based things at them. It's like imagine a child just starting to realize what their existence basically and now you're saying if you don't do this you're gonna go to how scared does that make a child yeah it's like a fear-based 
uh, deal. So I, this book's coming to mind. I don't know if you've ever read Osho, but he has a book called Being in Love. And he talks about the first seven years of a child. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Let them do whatever they want to do. And your job is to nurture and support them. That's it. And then from seven to 14, there's these seven-year cycles. It's like they should be able to play with the the other sex. And he said that basically, you know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but kids should, from seven to 14, they should just be running around naked together, right? And he said, if we did that, then when it comes 14, when those hormones and stuff kicking in, it's not such a big deal. He said 90% of, he guessed that about 90% of all perversions would go away because boys would have seen plenty of girls and girls would have seen plenty of boys and then Playboy wouldn't have its place and porn wouldn't have its place, mm-hmm. right? And all this stuff, if it, you can't have it, you can't do it, it's bad, it's bad. It makes you, it's like kids are like, they want it more, right? I mean, I dated a girl one time that she was Mormon and like, she was the most sexual girl you ever met because of the repression, right? And it's, it was almost similar to what that story is that what you were talking about. It's like, they push you so far one way and then it's like a rubber band and zoom, it zooms you back and you went clear off the, the rails the other way and just didn't want to have anything to do with it because it didn't make you feel good. No. And you were looking, saying, looking for love. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to go on my own terms. Mm-hmm. I was walking on eggshells all the time, even though I wasn't really doing anything wrong. It was always in the back of my mind. Am I doing something wrong? So I did, like I said, I just went the, the complete opposite way. And in, when you're in the streets, there's, there's all type of things. Well, if I get enough, if I get this amount of money, I'm going to be at peace. If I, if I get these cars, I'm going to be at peace. If I, if I have people, if I get acceptance somewhere, if, if like people really look up to me and respect me, I'm going to have peace. If I, uh show enough violence will people respect me and be scared you know this the whole stories that go around go along when you're in that whole environment and i did that for a long 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 time and i just became more depressed and i kept suppressing and repressing these things that i needed to be dealt with and i needed to heal from so going forward it just i got it got darker and darker uh depression anxiety and all I could do was drink to try to not feel these things. Mm-hmm. And this is how addiction goes. I mean, addiction is, is, is really trauma. It, it's your response to trauma. It's like, you don't know any other coping mechanism. So you do this because it feels a little bit better, but you don't even know why you're doing it. You, you just think you're, you're doing it just to do it. This is what we do. Right. But you're really doing it because you are hurting, you are, are traumatized and you, you haven't healed from it. And now you want to not feel it because you don't, have, you don't have any other options really in your yeah. mind. Yeah. So you're shining light on something. I think it's really important. It's like one thing I learned from somebody a long time ago was like when people are severely or, or overweight, like I used to be, they're basically crying out that they just don't like they're, they're, they're hate. They don't love themselves. Right. And it's the same thing if somebody's pounding booze every day. It's they're, they're literally crying. I've, I've really gotten good at that. Instead of like judging people, realizing like, wow, what must of their life, what did they go through as a child? What happened to them to get them to that point? Cause it's not like they just, nobody wants to wake up and be a drug addict. I mean, nobody wants that. People want to be happy. That's what they want. And by the way, we were talking off, we did it earlier, but um, Monk's uh, shirt says love is currency. That's a really good currency, brother. Yeah, you gotta spend it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta share it. You gotta circulate it. That's what that's what we say. You gotta circulate that love. 
right? And, and that's what it's all about. That's what we are all about. Yeah, so you went through this, uh, you know, no dad, no model, church slammed down, throat, down your throat, your mom's doing her best. Um, you go into a drug addiction. 20 years this went on. What snapped you out of it? It was just alcohol addiction, which is a drug. So you sure. can't call it a drug addiction. But yeah. as far as like selling drugs and doing that type of behavior, and I mean, I can't believe I didn't go to prison. Everybody that was around me was going to prison. Uh, if it wasn't for, you know, several occasions where the police didn't find what they were supposed to find, I would have been there too. And mm -hmm. I thought I was getting away with something, but I really wasn't. I'm thinking prison, I'm looking back now. If I would have went to prison, I really would have had a chance to really be with myself and try to figure things out, right? Do some introspective work. Mm -hmm. So life as usual, I, by this time, by the time this lifestyle is starting to come to an end, I've, I have six kids by at this point so dysfunctional relationships having kids by different people just the whole story right if you're going to write just a whole typical story that's what it was and these stories always come like i said it comes from trauma and not being able to work through this trauma and not having any type of uh, coping mechanisms or help or resources to help you through this thing Mm -hmm. I, you are traumatized and you don't know how to deal with it that's why i think we should have more programs and more you know resources for people that just by living in a certain living in a certain way or in a certain environment they are automatically traumatized mm -hmm. and then you throw the bad food on top of it and then you throw everything they see on top of it, it just starts to compound it just starts to get bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier what do you do why do you think so many people in certain places are on drugs or are alcohol it's all trying to cope. We don't, we didn't know any other way at that time. This is how we did it. Most of the people I ran with, none of them had fathers because of the systems that are in place. You know, they took a lot of the men off the streets by putting them in certain situations and giving them long prison sentences for nonviolent things. Mm -hmm. So this break up the family structure. Now you got these young kids raising each other, no experience. So how do you do it? You're, you're learning from these older people that are in the same a position that don't know how to do it. Yeah. So blind leading the blind. And the only reason I stopped, the only reason I stopped living like that is I went to Florida one day and I woke up and I was peeing blood. That's the only reason why I stopped. Something had to be hit me so hard. And it was really blood. You didn't eat like a bowl of beets or something. Nope. <laughs> really blood. And I always like to share that because I ate some beets one time. The next day I was like peeing. I thought it was blood. I was like, oh my God. And I was like, no, I was, it's so yeah, you no, ate beets. You're not peeing blood. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I drink, I drink, at that time I didn't drink beet juice, but I do mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So, and, and that happened. And uh, I was already at my, pretty much my lowest point. Right now I'm like, man, I, I got to stop drinking. So I stopped drinking for a couple of weeks. And then uh, I started back drinking again. And the same thing came back. Yeah, I was just like, oh, my God, what do, what do I do? For 20 years, plus years, this has been a part of my lifestyle. This is the only thing that I have that gives me a little bit, I wouldn't even say comfort, but gives me... It's a hiding I, place. Yeah, I don't feel so bad. I could escape mm -hmm. a little bit with this, right? Mm -hmm. All addiction, you know, comes really mm -hmm. is about avoidance of something. Numbing up, right? Ne ne even if it's you know eating or set, whatever the case may be, you're trying to avoid dealing with what you need to deal with. So 
now, you know, when I drank, I used to smoke cigarettes as well. So, but only when I drank, but I drank quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So now I stopped the alcohol and now I'm chain smoking cigarettes for about a year because I don't know what to do with myself. It was a part of everything that I did. If I went to a kid's birthday party, I was like, are they going to have alcohol there? And if they didn't, me and a couple of the, uh, my friends would go to the store get some, come back, sit in the car, drink a little bit, then go back to the, you know what I'm saying? So it's right, really, right. If you go to eat, are they going to have alcohol there? You know, that was a major part of my life that just got removed. So now what? So chain smoking for the year. I'm smoking cigarettes still. Uh, mad, angry, uh, playing the victim. Why me? You know, I want to continue to suppress this stuff. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to feel this. And I continue to be sober. I'm like, at that point, I just had uh, my last child. And I'm like, I had to ask myself, do you really want to be here or not? I really had to ask myself because if I continued, I wasn't going to be. So I chose to be here. It was a life and death situation. It was like, I, I have to do this. So I don't know what happened, but meditation came into my mind. And I knew nothing about it. And I knew that the religious uh, religion didn't work for me. And I knew the streets didn't work for me. I said, well, let me try this. This is my last shot, right? I know I'm here to do something. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to, we, what direction it takes. So I looked it up and basically, I don't know what exactly what it said, but it, it just says, sit down and get still, listen, right? Be present. So I started doing that. And man, when I tell you, that's one of the scariest things to do when you've been suppressing emotions and then you also have repressed emotions and trauma. It's the scariest thing to do to sit with that and allow it to come up. Everything is just, it's just, it's firing up like there's the, the dam broke all the thoughts, all the things. And it was very uh, scary at first. And I can only do it for a short period of time. And I understand now why people say, I can't meditate, I think too much. I can understand why they say that, but that's exactly why you need to do it. Yeah. Right? All the things. Eventually that stuff will quiet down. Exactly. So I kept doing it. So I kept doing it every single day, every single day, every single day. And I started to do it for a little bit longer. And Still, I didn't have no any formal training or anything. I just kept sitting. I would lock myself in the bathroom and, and sit for however long I sat for. And then I, what happened was my days started to get a little bit better. I felt better when I did it in the morning before I went out for my day. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, why not? Why not keep doing this? I didn't know exactly what it was going to do, but I know I felt a little bit better. So I'm going to continue to do this thing. And people don't understand. You can do one thing every day. And if it makes your day better, it's going to make your week better, your month better, your year better, and your life better. If you can do one thing that makes your day better, it's going to make your life better. People don't understand that. One thing, one thing can change your life. And fortunately for me, this one thing had so much transformative value and so much growth inside of it that I didn't even know about. Yeah. Yeah. You're bringing back some memories. Like there was a guy that I'm friends with John and um, we used to, there was a group of us that would be at the gym at basically 5am 
and we all support each other. We would train together and then we'd get it. We'd play hoops at the end. That was our cardio. We always had to have four and four or five on five. So we had about 10, 12 guys that were always in the gym. We were kind of like a pack. And John and I always talked about, so he's like, man, he goes, when I show up and I do my workouts in the morning, my days just go better. They just, I have better days. I have less stress. My job site works better. My relationships better. Everything's better. And I think the reality is, is that we have these days in our life that go by and it's not that the day might be any better, but because of the practice, we respond differently to it. That's what it really is. Cause we've changed ourselves internally at that point. Now, what you're talking about, I think, you know, meditation, very profound, right? Exercising is one thing. A lot of people can't even contemplate even starting exercise right now. They're in such a, a dark spot, or maybe they haven't done it in so long for those people. This is where meditation can be a really good thing for you can be a really good thing. So what we'll do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to, I want to dive more into this and like how you, you know, like came out of this funk and then, and started doing what you're doing today. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around six to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created gut detox formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. The best part? It is super gentle, and there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com.
What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back in the house. We've got Monk Coleman. He's the author of Love Over Fear and just a really cool dude. Um, awesome story. Man, I just, I'm loving your story so far and I can't wait to hear more of it. So here you are. You grew up um, with, with no dad. Moms, how did she put it together? She's amazing. She's a saint. And so, so many moms out there. Let's just give a shout out to the moms out there. We, we send a lot of love to our moms. Um, the best, they're the, they're the ones that hold everything together in this planet, it seems like. So thank you so much, mothers. And, you know, you, you were kind of had church thrown down your throat, it backfired, uh, and you started drinking a lot of alcohol and, and having a lot of, um, uh, sex with a lot of gals and all this stuff. I mean, this is a true, true story that happens to a lot of people. And then you started after you peeing blood. Now you're like, I got to change stuff. I got to stop drinking alcohol, which led to meditation. Not a usual path for people, right? I, you know, usually it's like, it's like, that's kind of a really interesting path where you got to meditation on your own. This is like, it's blowing my mind right now, but I, 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 I'm so glad that you did. So now that you're meditating, you're, you're getting your life together. What started happening through this meditation process? What started unfolding in your life and how did your how did your relationships change and how did, how did you change and what, how did your world change from, from the meditation practice? Well, you already know that we have everything that we need inside of us. Mm -hmm. It's just a blockage, the things that are blocking that connection to that light that we are. And it started to rewrite my program. So like you were saying, zero to seven, the Osho book, that's where you receive your program. And if everybody looks back, cause I, you know, I do coaching. If everybody looks back, what happened? from birth to seven, then you can get a good idea about how you move through life. How, what the decisions you make in certain situations, you were programmed to make those decisions that way. until mm -hmm. you rewrite your program. So I started, I kept sitting, I kept sitting, I kept sitting. And what started to happen is, and I met my wife uh, maybe about a couple years, couple of years after I started uh, meditating, maybe only a year, but she got to see me angry. She got to see me playing the victim. I was short. I didn't have what I needed. And at this point, I'm still, I'm meditating, but I started to soften. And I started to have space between what I said and how I reacted. I started to respond a little bit instead of reacted. So when something bothered me, I wouldn't automatically have this knee-jerk response. I mean, knee-jerk reaction, I would respond to it. I'm not perfect. I still react to things to this day. But I started to make a connection with myself. I started to realize that everything I thought about myself was not true. This was just a story that I happened to believe at the time. And the main thing that started to happen uh, with meditation is I started to love myself. So our experiences when we're, we, when we're young is a lot of times people can say things, grownups, even your parents that love you can say things that really damage you and make you think you're less than you are, right? So, you, so just the whole story of when you go to school and people say, oh, you're poor, you're this, you're that, that's shaping me. Mm -hmm. It's what I really believe. It's not what you want, it's what you believe. People don't understand that. So everybody, like you said, nobody wants to be a drug addict or alcoholic. That's not what they want, but that's what they believe. That's what they believe they're worth. That's what they believe they deserve. 
So anytime we're stuck in any type of situation, it's not what we want, it's what we believe at the deepest level. So I started to change this program out, not knowingly. I started to, things started to shift. I started to notice I have, was starting to have more compassion for other people as well. So I look at homeless people and be like, I started to have empathy. I was like, oh, oh, that hurts to, to see that. You know, I started to, you know, just give strangers money. And just like I really started to feel for people. I started to see people, me and people. Yeah, that you were them, they were you. Every situation, right? I realized that that guy that I used to make fun of because he wasn't as burnt out as I was, he was more of an addict than I was, that was me, right? The person that's homeless, that was me. Matter of fact, I've been there before, right? All these people that I used to look down on are now me. So it's like walking through this life with just you. So I'm looking at people like just me, but I also started to realize that because I never thought I was educated, my mom didn't make it out of high school. I don't think my daddy did either. I also realized the intelligence that's already within me and the genius that's already in me just waiting to be expressed. I realized that. I started to actually get smarter over the years just through meditation. Now we know on a physical level, it grows parts in your brain that actually make you smarter. And it grows parts in your brain like gray matter that actually make you make better decisions, right? So I didn't know this was happening either. I just kept doing it and kept doing it, kept doing it. I got to the place where three years into my meditation, I'm sitting down to eat. This is how my diet changed. My lifestyle in general just took a whole, just like the light just came on the entire system, the food system at this moment, right? So I'm getting ready to eat and no meat sounds good to me. So I got a vegetarian omelet and this is three years into my meditation. And this is, like I said, I'm starting to be more compassionate. I'm starting to have more empathy. I'm starting to feel different. I'm starting to love myself. So I'm like, I don't, nothing, this doesn't seem good to me today. So I'm not going to put any meat on my plate. Well, my friend asked me, was I a vegetarian? And I just said, yes. Wasn't even <laughs> looking into it. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't looking into it. I was making a connection to life beyond my story. So a lot of people say, oh, dogs are, dogs are worth, you know, are good. Don't hurt dogs, but then we'll kill other animals. So to know that all these animals have the same capacity and the same suffer, they can suffer from the same things. They feel joy, they feel pain, they, they love their families. But just the story I was told was this, this, these animals deserve to live and have a good life. And these animals deserve to be slaughtered. So I'm making the oneness connection to everything. Mm -hmm. So I stopped eating meat at that day. And that's been, I think, going on nine years, nine years now. So I stopped eating meat that day. And I started looking up like, why did I say that? Why did I say that? The crazy part is when I said it, I knew I was never going to eat it again. Immediately. Not even before I looked anything up. I knew, yeah. boom, it's gone. I was ready for it. The question was asked. And now it's removed. So I looked it up. Meditation. I didn't know what a vegan was. Meditation, vegetarianism, and it started to say, they're so uh, connected, interconnected, right? Because when you start to have more compassion, you, you don't have compassion for certain groups or certain animals. You have compassion for everyone and all beings that have the ability to suffer. Yeah. 
And I said, that makes sense because most of us, we don't want to watch an animal cruelty video. We don't want to watch animals hanging upside down with blood squirting out their neck, but we will go ahead and eat it anyways, mm-hmm. right? That's, that, that is a, a inner conflict there. I don't want Dis- to- A disconnection. Right. Disconnection, cognitive dissonance, whatever you want to call it, but I don't want to see it. I know what happens, but I don't want to see it, but I'll just do it anyways. So it was actually, I mean, I can't watch it. So why would I eat it? I'm on like a hypocrite if that's the case. I don't want to see it get to my plate. I just want to enjoy this meat, right? So that was gone out of my life. I didn't know. And then as I kept researching, I found out the whole, like even clothing, um, I was still eating a- a- eggs and milk at the time, thinking there was no suffering involved there either. It's tons of suffering. They kill the male chicks. the worst, chicks. yeah. Man, they kill the male chicks. They grind them up. They kill them. And then the, and then the cows, the, if it's a male, they kill it. And if it's a female, they hook it up and milk it to death too. I'm like, oh my God. So when I found that out, I let that go. And everything leather. It's like, man, the, the rabbit hole just goes deep. It's mm-hmm. like, now I'm wearing skin. Now I'm Hannibal Lecter out here. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is just crazy. <laughs> 40 or 50 pairs of shoes, 40 pairs of shoes, something like that. All my jackets, hats, anything that had animals on them. I put them in my trunk. My wife said, let's get some bananas and oranges. I took it down to my old neighborhood in Oakland. I popped the trunk and gave it all away. I'm like, I'm, I got to live my truth. And this is not true for me anymore. Mm-hmm. We started doing homeless feeds, vegan homeless feeds. Just started going around, uh, making a bunch of food, going to different homeless uh, encampments and, and popping the trunk and uh, feeding people. And this just got me on this path to, to doing service, being of service and uh, helping people. That's all I know I'm here. For. I know I'm here to do these things. And I know this is my calling. I don't know exactly how it looks. The book wasn't even planned. It just happened to come. I was ready for it and, and it happened. And uh, I have a radio show now where that just happened a couple of weeks ago. But just to get this love message out there and just to give people a different, something different to uh, digest because what's going on right now is insanity, right? We need to realize that we are all connected at the deepest level. You have your story, I have mine because we showed up on the planet different. But beyond the story, there's unity. Beyond yeah. the story, there's a divine spark. Beyond the story, there's peace and there's love. And the story, the stories don't matter. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, our stories are like, it's really cool. I, I see so many parallels. It's like, I grew up on a farm, Eastern Oregon, hunting and fishing, doing all that stuff. You grew up kind of inner city. And there was, we had dysfunctional families and all this stuff and societal conditioning, but through you went spiritual to, to diet and I went diet to spiritual, but you, when you're telling your stories, it's like, it's, that's what happened to me after I, you know, I went, I was completely hundred percent vegan for eight and a half years and a living fooder. I became a raw living food chef. So I, I'm, I still grow like 60, 70% of the food I eat. That's awesome. it, was, it was higher that. So I've been really into living foods and not only did I heal myself and everything, but after I, I just, I couldn't go hunting anymore. And you have to understand this was a big deal for me because I had thousands, my whole, like when I was a little kid, I'd get outdoor life and, and field and stream. And I was like, I had, I was ordering stuff. I was tying fishing flies. And like, I had, I mean, I have 
that's it. It's like my life. And all of a sudden I have thousands of dollars of hunting and fishing equipment. And like, I don't want to kill anything anymore. And I actually shot a deer. Um, and as soon as I pulled the trigger, I already knew I wasn't going to hunt again. It was rolling down the hill and I freaking was flooded with these terrible emotions. And I still had to go gut it out. I have gutted out many animals, many, many, many of my hunting my whole life. And it never really bothered me. I had a hard time just but I had to take care of it, you know, and do all the things I need to do and dress it out and do all this stuff. And, and it was a really uh, a big pivotal moment for him, but it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. I mean, I still had to take care of that, hold that deer. Right. 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 And I'm like, I'm like gutting the deer out and I'm crying, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, and that, you know, like growing up, like the way I did redneck. I mean, if somebody did that, you'd just laugh and make fun of them. Like, See, if, if you weren't raised in that, though, if you were not raised in that, that would be traumatizing for you. It's only because you've seen it probably from the day you were born that that made sense to you. Yeah. If you weren't yeah, raised in that, people, people would just they'd pass out. They'd be like, I don't ever want to do this again. That's why you don't go to take kids to slaughterhouses. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the, the neighbors, they had tons of chickens and every once in a while they would just they had a chopping block for the chickens. They would just grab a chicken and chop its head off and then let it go. And it'd run around with blood spurt, like, like running around with no head and then tip over. And then, you know, they'd do three or four chickens and they were, they were eating them. And you just grow up seeing that stuff. You don't think nothing of it. Right. right. That's just, like I said, it's just conditioning. You think it's right because this is what you know. And people yeah. have to understand that, you know, as you get older and, the, and when, as you get older, those same beliefs, they start to solidify yeah like you start to get more and more rigid there's no give you know what i'm saying until something like in my case happens to make you look in a different direction and question your own reality yeah question your own life like what is it about and that i think that's the problem there's a big awakening going on right now oh yeah it's there's, big. Also, there's also people that are not coming they're going to stay right where they're at right so you got these two different things going on at the same time mm -hmm. but we have to realize that your story, just because it's your story, doesn't mean that someone else's story can't be true as well, right? So right now, I know I'm playing a role. Back then, I didn't know I was playing a role. We all play a role. But if you know you're playing a role, then you can navigate that role how you want it. It yeah. doesn't have control over you. So my role, I know, is to be uh, uh, of service, to be this guy. And it's authentic. I'm not saying I'm making stuff up but I still know it's a role. I fit into this role. Now I can move without being uh, pulled in by something else because this is, I'm aligned now. So what I came here to do in my role is now the same thing. When I was living a different life, what I, what I was doing was not aligned with what I came here to do. And that's that inner conflict. And that, that's that being feeling uncomfortable and like, what is it all about? that you're trying to suppress because you're not aligned with what you're supposed to be doing. When you get in a groove and you are aligned with your purpose here on this planet, things work different. It feels right. Like you're not going against traffic anymore. You're going with the flow. So that's where I'm at now. That's awesome, dude. You know, one, another thing I wanted to bring up, it's probably, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm guessing here, it's probably not uh, something that, um, I'm assuming that your spiritual practice is probably one of the most important things in your life, but you, through your, through your meditation into spirituality, you changed your diet and then you actually went in 
at an older age and became a three times pro natural physique bodybuilder. Right. So how did that happen? Well, uh, because I was a vegan doing my thing, I got picked up by a supplement company uh, called Clean Machine. And within five weeks, I was in Texas competing. And at that time, I was 45, 45 years old. Mm-hmm. So that's how my bodybuilding thing started. And then I, 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 I'm still technically, um, I still have my pro card if mm-hmm. I want to continue, but I think, uh, I think I'm done with it. But yeah, <laughs> so that's how it happened. And it was good while it was lasted. And, and a lot of times backstage, you know, I'm the age of, because the, the, I went pro in the open and the open is all ages, mm-hmm. right? So the people I'm competing with are twenties, thirties, uh, rarely do you see anybody that's over 40, but a lot of these people I'm competing against, I'm their father's age. So their story is they need a bunch of meat. They need a bunch of this, a bunch of that in order to look a certain way, which is not true. We all know that the, mo- the biggest, strongest animals on the planet are, are plant eaters, but we just don't get it. So when I'm talking to them and I'm telling them, you know, I'm, I'm in my fifties, when I tell them that something clicks, like that's my dad's age. And then they go, and he don't look like my dad. <laughs> like the, the standard American diet with those genetics, that's you, that's you in 25 years. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? That's you right there. So just to give them a little something to think about, a little something different, I go back there and in the, in the last competition I was in, which was only a couple months ago, I was, uh, I was talking about spirituality. I was talking about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of them young cats, their eyes were just wide open, like, like what? It was resonating like, with them. Yeah, it's so superficial, a bodybuilding competition, right? You can be the worst person in the world and go up there and win. It's just, what does your body look like? How do you present your body? Mm-hmm. I was in there talking about what are you here for you know I was talking to these kids talking about what like did we, you know what you're here for you know what's important to you so that's the, my favorite part about competing is talking to these young kids uh, and give them something else to think about yeah you're, you'll definitely rattle their brains I remember when I first went to the Hippocrates Health Institute our doctor Dr. Scott Josephson was a, a bodybuilder and so was his 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 um his wife and this guy hadn't had meat in 10 years and I was like what so he was the first one like literally just exploded my brain and blew every conception that I had about because I was raised you have to eat meat for protein to live it's part of being a man and you sure as hell need it for building muscle and here was this guy in front of me and I knew he wasn't lying to me and he was jacked and he looked great and it was his 50th birthday that day and guess what? He looked like he was maybe 40, right? So, you know, and the thing I, I just, because I just don't want anybody listening on here. It's like, oh, you know, the meat plant-based thing. It's like everybody has on their own journey, right? So you see people that, um, one thing I learned, because I, like I said, I was 100% vegan living fooder for eight and a half years, completely healed myself, felt great. I started thinking about it. And I'm like, well, we used to be hunters and gatherers. We probably had a little bit of meat. So I added meat back into my diet for about a year and a half and tried that out. And it just didn't serve me. Actually, you know, I just didn't like it as much. I tried it and I'm, I'm trying to find an experiment. Where's the balance for me? But so I let people do what I always tell people is just like, just add more fresh plants into your life mm-hmm. and just keep doing that and keep bumping up your percentage until 
you until you get to a point where you don't feel better and then and stay there and then maybe 10 years from now you need to change we're always constantly evolving change but i do know the more fresh plant matter that you have in your body the healthier and the better you're going to feel you got to figure it out for yourself now what was tough for me was is that i mean me personally i stayed away from meat for the emotional reasons but also because of the chemicals and the toxins because these things are bioaccumulating in the whole life of that animal and then when you have a bite of that meat you're you're pulling in all all the toxins all of them that they've ever eaten. So I just, I don't, I'm trying, might try to get chemicals out of the body. That's like a mission over here. I mean, our company's called chemical free body. That's right. the whole point. So that's one of the reasons I stayed away from it. But um, what I, I actually was uh, a very spiritual person. I learned from told me that they said, look, Tim, not everybody on an emotional level right now is ready to give up meat. They're just not ready to do it. So you're going to, you have to give them grace and you have to let them be. And the reality is, is that these animals at a higher level are okay with being part of the circle of life. They're okay with it. But the problem that we see today is like, like if we were out in nature and you were hungry and you got a rabbit and you needed that to keep your family alive, that would make sense. And then you'd, you'd be very thankful. The native Americans were very thankful. They used up every single part of that. And the, on a higher level, the rabbit's totally cool with it. But the way they do it today, rabbits are in boxes. They don't see sunlight. They feed them genetically modified corn, genetically modified soy. They inject them with hormones and antibiotics. They make them massive. And then they chop them up. And it's, it's, it's like you said, the blood spurting out. It's like they're treated like objects. They're treated like machinery. And that's where the disconnection comes from. So um, I've kind of really just really given a lot of... Um, grace to that because you know i see some people like they're they're eating meat and then they have this epiphany and they go plant-based vegan or whatever and then the next week they're yelling at people and how could you ever eat that animal i'm like dude two weeks ago you were eating it there's a lot of people like that and i had to actually dip out of some uh social media rooms because of it look i'm i'm a love guy and 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 with that means understanding and and giving people grace and understanding everybody is where they are right? I ate meat for 42 years. Mm -hmm. How could I be the one to be like, oh, you're wrong for that, right? right. I, I speak my truth. I live what I speak about. I live from a place of love and understanding. Even when there's someone that might hate me for the way I look, I understand that that's not them. I understand beyond that, they were a small, innocent child that just wanted love and wanted to be loved. They were programmed, just like I was programmed, they were programmed. Now, why am I gonna judge this person when I was living foul for so long in my program, right? <laughs> just because we make a transformation within ourselves doesn't mean everybody's gonna do it for one, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and if we deliver a message from a loving place, it's way more likely to be received than if we deliver it from a judgmental place. And I always use this example, the guy at the, at the, at the Super Bowl that says, you're going to burn in hell, right? That guy with the big sign, he's not going to get any traction saying, trying to fear people into believing what he believes. But now if there's someone else out there that just has a pamphlet and they go, hey, we'd love you for you to come by and you know, you're welcome to come by. We'd love to have you. That person is going to get way more traction than the guy trying to fear or shame people to think and live his way. Yeah. And that's how I, that's how I take with veganism. I, get, I put information out there from a loving place 
and wherever it lands is wherever it lands. And for me, a lot of people I talked to, they started thinking about it a little bit different. I've even had people tell me like, you, the way you talk about it, this is like, I don't feel like I'm judged at all. Yeah. Why, why would I judge you? I mean, why, what, what good would that do for me or you? It does nothing, right? So if they can see you as an example of the way you live, they go, okay, he's walking the walk, he's talking the talk, and he's allowing me to be who I am. Maybe I'll look into it. Maybe I'll try it. We know everything is energy. Everything has the energy, is, is imprinted, right? And people don't understand what you eat has energy as well. So if you eat an animal that's been treated a certain way its whole life, his stress hormone, the stress hormones on these animals are through the roof. Yeah. And that's why they got to give them antibiotics to keep them well, because the stress will knock down their immune systems and make them sick. So they're all stressed out. And then the moment of death, the stress is taken to a whole nother level. Now this is in the cells of that animal. And now you take it into your body, you break it down on a cellular level, and it becomes you. So that's saying you are what you eat. It's a literal statement. Without the food that you eat, you would not be here right now. So you're accumulation of what you've been eating for the past however long. Without that, you die, right? So you are your food and everything that comes with it. Yeah, they've even actually tested people. There was a there's a documentary called King Corn. There was a couple guys in college that were doing an experiment on a one acre corn patch they were growing because they tested their hair samples and some and uh, samples in their body and they found out that they were like 70 percent corn because they looked at back at everything they were eating there was like corn in their hamburger there was corn in the bun there was, was corn corn was ever it was really an interesting thing so you are what you eat our cells do regenerate and think about this in seven years if we took all everybody listening if we took all of your cells right now and catalog them and put them in a file cabinet and then come back in seven years completely new cells those cells that were you're a new you right so you have an opportunity to regenerate and the question is is over the next seven years are you going to regenerate yourself at a high frequency or a low frequency are you going to be putting high vibe foods in yourself or low vibe foods high, hanging around high vibe people or low vibe people and your cells are going to um they're going to respond to that environment you get to choose that i never forget that because i realized that i'm like seven years from now I can be, I was at Hippocrates. I'm like, I could be right where I'm at or worse, or I can change my life. I can change the inputs to my system. And in seven years, I will have a whole new Tim. I'm going to do this. And I did it. And, and it sounds like you did the same thing. And you, people, once people get this, that, that, that all the power comes back to us. And now we're in charge. We're, we're the captain of the boat again, instead of handing the power over to these other, other people or to the society or the state or whatever. So love your message man it's like uh it's really timely right now for what's going on um so you do some other stuff like tell tell us about what's your life like now what are the things you're doing i know you're a, co uh, a coach a speaker yeah i'm doing the radio station i'm, I'm doing speaking events um uh, i i'm a uh, transformational coach i do coaching just give people the tips and the tools and the things they need to see life different like the way I saw life different. Mm -hmm. And then um, I got a lot going on with this book. So um, we're going to see where that goes. But as far as getting into rehabs, prison, prison uh, systems, and things like that, uh, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for me to do what I do in that arena too. 
Yeah, what uh, radio station are you on? It is called KGPC 96.9 FM, Oakland, California. And it streams uh, www.kgpc969.org. And you can find it. My show is called Conversations with Monk. Cool. Conversations with Monk. Well, I hope to be on your show someday, brother. That'd be fun. Man, all you got to do is come out. My wife already said it. She said, you should have me on your show. You, all you have to do is get to Oakland. <laughs> oh, it's in, it's in studio. It's in studio. I don't even know how to do it out of studio now. So I'm getting all these people in studio. Uh, uh, we just, uh, uh, I talked to, you know who uh, Spencer Christian is? I've heard that name. Castor used to be for Good Morning America. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyways, he used to, he was an addicted gambler. So I'm going to have him on uh, soon. But I had different people. The last guy I had, he was an emotional intelligence guy. And then uh, I got musicians that are coming on, you know, diff- different people in the community. Yeah. That's awesome, brother. Well, congratulations on the radio show. Those are a lot of fun. Um, I like doing them in real time too, because it's live. Like, you know, a lot of these, we do a lot of podcasting over here and um, it's, you know, they cut them up and they put them out later, but I like doing the live shows because it's just real. You can't, you know, there's no editing. We record it live on IG, but it's, it's, it's delayed. It's a week after you will hear the, uh, uh, the recording. Oh, okay. Well, that's all right. It's cool though. You did go live on Instagram, so that's cool. Yep. Um, so you also went. You graduated from the University of Holistic Theology. Where's that at? Tell me a little bit about. Yeah, that. It's, cool. it's 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 online. So it's a uh, when I started to learn more about meditation, I'm like, man, I need to really look more into this. Mm-hmm. So I went in there and uh, enrolled in school and took the whole, you know, the, all the curriculum and the books I needed to read and the practices I needed to practice and the papers I needed to, to write to learn more about meditation. I became a meditation instructor. Nice. So what was it like, compare yourself to when you went to school, taking classes to you actually choosing to go to school and taking classes? What's the different, did you notice a different difference there and the, what you wanted to learn and stuff? Like I said, I, I really believe I became smarter Mm-hmm. through this whole process uh like i read every single day as part of what i do it's part of my morning uh rituals right um and and i read right now i'm reading the book uh carl young right so the things that i read i was just drawn to i never in a million years thought i'd be reading this type of material do <laughs> i mean i go through books 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 so these things i was i'm i, I was getting drawn to and it's because I changed my vibration, my frequency, right. and bringing this different stuff into my life that I need at that particular time. So I'm running into this pe- same, same thing with people. So back in the day, I always run into the people I was vibing at the same level as. So I always be around drug dealers, people that were violent, uh, you, know, the, you know, the whole nine. But uh, now I run into people that are most of the people I run into now that I connect with, none of them drink. I'm not trying to look for these people. We just attract each other. Yep. Most of them are vegan. And then everybody is trying to help the community. Mm-hmm. So these are the people I run into. So not only that, like I said, I'm attracted to this different reading material. Before 10 years ago, I never read a book from cover to cover, not even in school. I don't know how many of hundreds of books 
that I've read since that point. I mean, I always, I always have one in my hand. So just educating myself through these books, I'm educating myself on a conceptual level. But on top of that, I'm living it on a, I'm experiencing it at the same time, right? Some people, they like to read, like if you read a book about exercise and you never exercise, you might know something, but how are you going to implement that? You haven't. You got, you got the theory, but you haven't actually put it into practice. Right. You haven't been. So for me, I put that into practice first, and then all this other stuff came after. So all the experience, like the Kundalini awakening that I had, I had a couple of them. Those type of things I knew nothing about. They just happened, and I had to look like, what was that? What just happened? Because I know some crazy just happened. I had to look it up. So I didn't learn about those things and then experience that I experienced it and then learned about these things. How often do you do yoga? I don't do, I just meditate every day for an hour so, and a half. Oh, it's okay. Okay, cool. I, I got it through meditation. It was the crazy, two times. It was the craziest thing. If I was, to, I wouldn't even tell people at first. I'm like, you wouldn't even believe this. I ain't going to tell you because you're going to think I'm crazy. But yeah, it was uh, for a whole year. Um, I started having, the, you know what Kriyas are? Uh-huh that involuntary jerking. And then I had to look that up. I was like, what is that? And, it, and it, most everything that I read on that was, I was having blocks. So the energy was trying to move, but it was hitting something. Something was blocked. I don't know if it was a, 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 a chakra or something that was, something was blocked. It wasn't flowing the way it should. So when it hit that, I would have these crazy movements. And I didn't, I was like- something Like, was like George on Seinfeld, remember? <laughs> Man, I didn't know what it was though. I had no idea what this was, right? So I started looking it up. But it's crazy. One day, my stomach started flowing like a like a a, a belly dancer mm. for like ten minutes. I, and I was tripping out, but I stayed in meditation. I didn't I didn't get out of it or anything. I'm like, this is crazy. What's going on? But after that, the jerking stopped. So I'm looking back now, right? I'm going, okay. Whatever was blocked is not blocked anymore. It's flowing. And then I, I this, this woman, her name, uh, I forget her name, but she's a heart alchemist. But she had the same exact experience. I, I seen a video of her talking about it. And I'm like, oh my God, this, that's what it was. Like, that's what it was, exactly what she was talking about. And the second time I was spinning around like this, my whole body was just spinning around by itself. No joke. And I was like, what is this? But that energy moves in a spiral. Mm-hmm. And my body, it was fully open, right? That Kundalini energy was fully open. Yeah, that's cool. I you brought that up, and I was in Kundalini practice one time, and we were doing intense breath work, like five minutes of <laughs> right, 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 right. Just boogers flying out of your mouth. Just keep going, baby. And I just, you know, was doing it. I'd done it many times, but then all of a sudden, like. All I, 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 I could, I was seeing myself and myself, I was literally, and they always told us to wear white clothes if you could at Kundalini. So I wore a white t-shirt and white shorts or white long pants, right? Well, I saw myself in like white pants, a white shirt, and like literally in the totally in the total yoga position, you know, um, and all of a sudden I'm just like lights beaming and a light shooting out of my head. So I had like a third, a 3D visual, like I was outside of my body looking at myself. That's crazy. And I'm like freaking out a little bit. I'm just, but I just kept the breath work going. It was really weird too, because I had gotten tired and usually I do the breath work until I can just no longer do it. I couldn't keep up with the instructor. I mean, she'd just been doing it for years 
And then for some reason, what happened in that, I mean, I'm literally physically the muscles around my, in my ribs and stuff, my rib cage was just, I was done. I couldn't take another breath and I was pushing it. And then all of a sudden it just, I snapped into that thing and saw it. And I was like, and I just went, and my breath was like, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. It was just like right in time with the instructor. And there was like, there was no fatigue and that started happening. And then I, and then I saw myself like that. And then afterwards I was like, I didn't want to say anything to anybody, but I, I went over to this girl. I was like, Hey, like this happened to me. And she's like, Oh my God, that happened to me too. She goes, but I could see myself and I could see everybody else too. I'm like, I was like, I only saw myself. I was like, that's interesting. And, and, and it hadn't happened again since then, but it was like this crazy stuff. So I'm, I get excited about this stuff. I want more of that in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just want to stay on the path and keep doing my work and, 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 and just see what, see what's possible. It's, it's really cool. Cause what uh, I think we want to wrap up here, but it's like, you know, talking about your book, that book, love over fear. It's like this, this love is like the light, right? Yeah, there it is. Love over fear. Love is the light. And sometimes the, you know, clouds come in and kind of block it, but you can't stop it. It's, it's always there. And we just have to like, open our hearts, let the light in and just let, and, and, and be receptive to it. And then we can, you know, bring that love back out. So why don't you give us some parting words of wisdom, my friend, um, from Monk Coleman? Well, love, love is always the answer, no matter the question. And I, and I always say that this is who we are. And the, the closer we get to who we are, the more our life is going to express that. So in your life, if, if the things you do look like love, then you're in a good place. But if they don't, you're, you're, you're too far away from who you are. And I always say, you know, when people say the, uh, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. You're just so far removed from who you are. You think that something's separate. You have to be that light. There is no tunnel. You are that light. Yeah, that's true. So when we live our life in alignment and doing what we're supposed to be doing, everything from the walk to the grocery store to open up the door for somebody to everything looks like love. How you treat yourself, what you think about yourself, what you think about your partner, everything looks like love. So if it doesn't look like love for you, you need to connect to that. And that's what meditation does. You connect to that higher self, to that love, to that God, whatever it is for you. And if you do that every day, then you're going to walk around like that. You're going to walk around being loving and kind and compassionate and empathetic. So that's all I have to say is connect to that, whatever you want to call it every day. And your life is going to start looking like that. That's awesome, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, guys, uh, where's the best place for people to find you, Monk? You're going to find me at monketernal.com. All my socials are under there and everything, uh, my book and all that other stuff is under there. Monketernal.com. Awesome. Yeah, guys. So check him out at monketernal.com. Um, we've got, he's also a, a transformation coach, um, especially if anybody you know is dealing with alcoholism, had poverty, depression, dysfunctional relationships. He's your guy. He can help you out there. Um, and also you, I highly suggest, um, I want to get a copy of your book and read it. Love over fear. Yeah. Um, a guide to peace and purpose. Yeah. A guide. Yeah. Love over fear, a guide to peace and purpose. It's a, I, I can't, I'm excited to read it. It'll be one of my, who knows, you could be one of my new mentors in the book form. I love that. Yeah. 
Hey, you got it. You got to read it, Tim. Okay, I need to get a copy. We'll, and we'll it, you can read it in one, it's only 80 something pages and they're not big pages. You can read it in one day, but it's really a guide. It's something to take with you. So yeah. no matter where you're at, you can open it up and find something for you. Okay, cool. And do they just get the book on your website or is it on where, where uh, else? It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. We're going to start making it uh, so we can, we can do it on the website as well, but it's not there yet. It's just on Amazon. Oh, that's cool, dude. Well, congrats on the book. Um, I can't wait to read it. And um, thank you, listeners, um, health heroes out there around the world that tune into us and listen. I hope you've really enjoyed this chat with Monk and his journey from, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of us have our own journeys, but he, he, he you know, he grew up in a, a tough area and, and now um, through meditation, it's just, God, you, you just, your heart's broken open and you just, your life is amazing. And I'm just so proud of you for the work you've done and the example you're setting for, for children and families and parents to, to do the same. And as we heal ourselves, we, we set examples for other people to heal. Not that all of them will, but it's really a gift that you're giving back to the universe. And I really appreciate what you're doing. And I hope you guys have found this um, this talk between a couple dudes, <laughs> uh, interesting. And I hope that there's something here for you that you'll take action on. And I hope at least one thing is that you understand that meditation is not some woo woo thing that it actually, and literally will transform your life. If you give it time and you stick with it and you just, just five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day, no matter what, make that, that, that one place in your life that you can, you know, get out of the stress and the crazy hustle bustle of this, the world we live in and just start focusing on yourself. And then the more you do that, you'll notice that you're going to start opening up and things are going to start changing for you too. So until next time, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>